Hello, and welcome to the Euro What from WhatElseIsOn.tv. I'm Mike McComb, and I'm joined today by my fellow WEIO Eurovision News and Entertainment Research Division specialists, Brian Brazell and Ben Smith. Howdy, folks. How's everyone doing this week? I'm good. I am back from a week of relaxation on a boat in the middle of the ocean where I did not have email or internet. It was pretty great. Oh, wow. How was being unplugged for that long? In fairness, I could have had internet, but just they wanted me to pay for it, and I didn't want to pay for it. And there was intranet on the boat, so there was at least that, where there was some internal chat stuff, which for a nerdy cruise ended up working out pretty well. Oh, that's good. That's awesome. Yeah, Brian, how are things going with you? Things are great. You know, I work at a university, and we're oh so close to spring break, and yet oh so far. So I'm looking forward to spring break, both in my work and in the graduate program I'm doing. So basically, now till then, it's just hanging on for dear life and trying to engage as much with the bulk of the Eurovision season as I can. It's been good so far. I was I was very glad to have a full weekend of Eurovision videos to watch and procrastinate with. Awesome. Awesome. How about you, Mike? Uh, yeah, things are good. Full disclosure, did not have a chance to watch any of the excitement that was happening this weekend. Been doing the Best Picture Showcase, so seeing a lot of movies rather than watching Eurovision. There are a couple of movies in that mix where I wish I were watching Eurovision instead, but that's what YouTube is for, I guess. Praise YouTube. Yeah, I listened to last week's episode today mm-hmm. just to make sure I was up to date on things. And guys, I have thoughts on last week's <laughs> Oh, really? You do, yeah. So, I mean, if we just want to do like a real quick drive-by of these. Sure. Yes, just please. So that we can then dive into the new pile of entries we need to sort through. Let's just start with Greece. Greece, I mean, on one, I, I fully agree with you guys that it's Greece, and given how that they've shaken out, they're totally going to get through to the, the finals. This one is not clicking with me. Yeah. My notes from listening to it are, well, this, this, this definitely seems like it won by default. Huh. Which... Well, it definitely did, but yeah. yeah. I, mean, I, I guess that's not like a damning criticism. I mean, it's yeah. like, that is what happened. But. On the other hand, like, this is my, you know, it was like my first listen to it. And as with these things, they, they grow on, some of them grow on you, some of them you initially love, and then they just sort of turn into, eh. So we'll see how, how this one goes. Mm-hmm. I had a question about the Belarusian entry. Please insert I Love Belarus clip here. I love Belarus. And wasn't this the one that the other participants were going to leave over because it was performed before September? Yes. Okay, I just wanted to be clear on that, that that was the one and that it won and that they were also claiming that it was going to win because it probably was. Mm-hmm. This is the fully shenaniganed entry. So congratulations, Belarus. Shenanigans. I love Belarus. Montenegro. This was another one where I was like, okay, this is this is fine. I like crazy Montenegro over sentimental Montenegro. On the other hand, I feel like the last time they had an entry like this, they actually made it to the finals. So you go with what works. Anyways, that was my quick drive-by interpretation of what happened last week. While I was at the Best Picture Showcase, there was a dinner break, and I was at a Greek restaurant and heard a dance remix of Greece's 2010 entry, Opa, which was pretty nice. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the, the, if you're going to hear a dance remix of that song, it's going to be at a Greek restaurant. Yeah, and this yeah, is the right? second time in Chicago that I've been at like a Euro place that has played a Greek entry, just just randomly. Like I, I did not request it or anything. It's just like, yeah, whatever their Pandora is. It's just like, oh, all right, <laughs> nice to hear you. And it kind of got us chatting a little bit about like other instances where we've encountered Eurovision in the wild in the last week or so. Ryan, you had a couple that uh, you wanted to yeah. mention. 
Yeah, I had two different ones. Um, first of all, I was uh, watching the Olympics, which if you did not watch the Olympics, I'm sorry, you missed a lot of really good things. But at the end of the figure skating competitions, and they pretty much run for the full two weeks, Medvedeva, one of the Russian women, did an exhibition skate to a song by Polina Gagarina, the Russian representative from 2015, which I was watching with friends who are also sort of Eurovision not nerds, but they enjoy watching me be a nerd about Eurovision. And so that was fun to sort of point that out and go, oh, hey, she was the Eurovision representative that got booed a lot, actually, in that Conchita Verst had to yell at everybody and say, you all need to clap for her. So that was kind of interesting to see her sort of pop up in the wild. And the other one was I got a tweet from my friend who works at a local independent radio station, and she sort of reviews all the albums that come into the radio station so that people who might want to use them on their show sort of have a sense of what the album is. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the Lithuanian groups that were in the very long Lithuanian process sent their Eurovision single to to the radio station. And so she tweeted me about it and she said, my only question for you is WTF is up with the guy in the ballet outfit and floaty. It was like a flamingo floaty that he was wearing. And he just sort of shows up in the background, in, in the video, obviously not in the audio, but in the video, he just shows up in the background wearing this tutu with a flamingo floaty. He walks on stage, walks back off, and then comes back up later and starts dancing along. It wasn't really clear whether this was a person that was supposed to be there or not. Brian and I had a pretty long conversation about it. It's like, wait, is this like the soy bomb thing that happened to Bob Dylan like 20 years ago? And eventually we discovered that their most recent performance of the song featured this guy like front and center. So guess it's a thing. So he is their friend and he has that pool floaty and they've decided to let him be part of the group because they, well, we have six people anyways. Yeah, yeah, it's, I'll be curious, like, they're in, they're in the semifinals, they, they perform on Saturday, so it's possible they could be the ones going to Eurovision, who knows, uh, <laughs> Flamingo Dude, Flamingo Ballet Dude, do we have a name for this guy yet? Could be the next mm-hmm. epic sax man? Who knows? <laughs> yeah, we, we need to come up with something between now and... Hopefully they don't get eliminated, otherwise... I think they will. It's, it's a pretty uniquely terrible song. It's them just saying hello in a bunch of different languages. It's a pretty bad song. <laughs> As someone who is completely unfamiliar with this, that was, that was just great to get the context of, oh, no, it's a uniquely terrible song. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It really, really is. I don't know if uniquely terrible is the proper segue to go into Stupor Saturday, but uh, <laughs> we, we shall persevere. So last week, there were a whole bunch of selections that happened. Serbia and Germany selected during the week. And then over the weekend, there were seven other selections that happened. For this week, we're just talking about the ones that happened on Saturday. Armenia and Romania, they happened on Sunday. We're going to push those to next week just so that this doesn't end up being a three-hour episode. We'll just try to go in order as best we can. So Serbia had their selection on Tuesday. Their national final had a single round of performances, and they landed on Sanja Ilic and Balkanika with their song Nova Dessa. And here's a clip of that.
So what do y'all think of this entry? My initial reaction, I, I sort of had two initial reactions. First was that it sounds, the first 60 seconds or so sound a lot like uh, the, the Dragon Age Origins theme song. Mm-hmm. Like it's, you know, sort of a woman singing like long notes. There's flute, like maybe a pan flute happening and some big drums come in. And then the second reaction that I had was, or maybe it sounds like I just walked into the nature company at the mall, <laughs> the store that like sells all the like rocks and stuff <laughs> and the puzzles. And both of those things are compliments. I just have to point out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not criticism. Those are both like, oh, this is my jam. Yes, I could get into this song. And then it kind of turns into something a little less interesting for me anyway. I mean, it's a good song, but yeah, that was my initial reaction anyway. Ben, how about you? My initial reaction was that I feel like Serbia sort of goes th- through a rotation of different song types. This sort of nice ballady sort of a deal pops up every couple of years and they're always very nice and i tend to like them and this one is no exception to that rule uh is it my favorite entry we've had so far this year probably not but i think it's it's decent has good legs good bones i still don't know what i think about this one i've had almost a week to like stew over it it's there are a lot of ideas that are happening with this song and it, it just seems like there are two or three different songs that are kind of getting jammed into this and it sort of works i'm confused as to what my takeaway of it is supposed to be like is it, is it supposed to be an emotional song is it supposed to be like a pseudo dance track is it supposed to be both is it supposed to be neither there's there's just so much going on the vocals are impressive but there's just a lot of contrast going on there is a lot that i i like about this entry maybe not the song necessarily so sanya ilich he actually composed the 1982 song for yugoslavia at eurovision it placed 14th out of 18 so it didn't do so great but he does have some eurovision experience and he he founded balkanika first of all there's 11 members so five of them are out of luck and are not going to appear on stage Mm -hmm. because of the six people on stage rule so you know they sort of draw lots for who gets to be on stage and Sonia is the um, in the video for this. He's the guy in the back playing the keyboard. I thought I was kind of hoping he was like the old dude with the big hair and the flute. Yeah, but he's not that guy. I was a little disappointed to find out that wasn't him. But the mission of Balkanika is to preserve, revitalize and modernize Serbian medieval and Byzantine music traditions. So I really appreciate, you know, as we talked about, I like having sort of the folk traditions of different countries in the contest. And so I appreciate that Balkanika is going to is going to bring that this year, even if I'm not entirely on board with the actually a way that they're doing that right and it seems relevant to mention this now before we discuss a bunch of entries that are not in native languages but one thing that i've been liking about this year's bumper crop of eurovision entries is that there have been a lot of them that are not in english which is super exciting as someone who speaks english and wants to understand what music sounds like in other places this entire entry is non-english which is pretty common for serbia like they, they go back and forth on whether or not it'll be english or not i'm hoping this one doesn't get translated i have a feeling that it probably wouldn't work if it were translated i do kind of like the modern take that the folk traditions have but i I do understand your concern ryan that this might not be the best implementation of that but i'll I'll be curious to see like what sort of tweaks happen with this entry as, as the process goes on so we have germany next germany of course one of the big five meaning that they are automatically through the finals so i Took the time to look up a bunch of their other entries, not just uh, Mikhail Schulte's uh, You Let Me Walk Alone. And that's probably for the best because like none of them were, were outstanding. Uh, but I mean, let's, let's, let's listen to this one since it did win. I was born from one love of two hearts. We were three kids and a loving mom. You made this place a home, a shelter from the storm. You said I had a one life. 
This was the one final of the set that I was able to watch at least a good chunk of it. And this was not the worst option that Germany could have gone with. Yeah, I I still think it's a... That's damning praise. Yeah, yeah, that's such a great compliment. Well, they didn't pick the worst one. Yeah, and they really could have. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, again, like I watched all six of these and was just like, okay, where's the good one? Yeah, and it's just... And there was also just some fishiness about it. Like, Jan Olasand was hanging out there and kind of did the same thing that he did with the French final, where he's just like, I'm so glad that you're having a final. And it's like, well, you know, Germany usually has a final. I don't know why, like, this this one is more special than all of the other ones that they've had in the last few years. But he was also in a position, and, uh, and I think I missed this part uh, explaining why he was doing this, but he was reading off I don't know if it was like the viewer votes uh, that he was reading off, but he he was in a capacity where he was giving points to songs, which as the executive director of the Eurovision Song Contest seems super sketchy. And I'm, I'm sure there's nothing like nothing sinister afoot, but it still left me feeling kind of icky about it. It's like, no, 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 no. The head judge should not be part of of the selection process. You handle the sun, you're supposed to be an impartial judge. Mm-hmm. Was he making the decision or was he just reading out the decision? I believe he was just reading out like the oh, jury, well, one of the juries. Then that's it. I'm okay with that. I, I, I will say this particular, so Mikhail Schulte, he did win both the jury and the televote. So both the international jury and the German people think this is the best song from that crop, which, yeah, I was not sort of like you, Ben. I, I watched all six and was like, what? I don't... Should I root for one of these? I don't really particularly like any of them. This one reminded me a little bit of the song One, Two, Three, Four by the Plain White Tees, mm-hmm. where yeah, in the chorus, you know, yeah, it's like... It felt very Plain White Tees. Yeah, it's like one way, two say, three words for you. They like, And he does basically the exact same thing with numbers and sort of moving the chorus along. Mm-hmm. It, just, it felt a little bit reductive. And I also, I'm not entirely... It's about his dad that died, right? I, I, I don't really know what the message of the song is. He's like, you let me walk alone, like... Is he blaming his father for dying? I don't I don't really understand the emotional piece of this song. And maybe I just need to listen to it one or two more times, but I feel like an emotional song I shouldn't have to think too hard about. Yeah. My my notes consist of the words blah piano ballad. Yeah. It's, it yeah, it's just kind of there. Yeah. There, there was a lot of blah from Germany, but they automatically get to the final, so yay. Maybe they're just having like a rough year and just wanted to get this out of the way now so they can focus on other things. I don't know if this broadcaster is like in charge of the Olympics and the World Cup and all of the other like global events and if Eurovision just had to take a back seat this year. So Oh well. Yeah, let's let's move on to more fun topics. Moldova! <laughs> Ryan, you wanted to talk about this one. Yeah, we also had Moldova um, select this last weekend, and they came in third last year on the strength of a really good song that I, I immediately loved. Um, this year, they have picked a group called Doretos, do, not Doredos, as I originally thought, I'm but Doretos. I'm just going to scratch out my, my Doritos joke now. <laughs> yes. Uh, their song is called My Lucky Day. Let's take a quick listen. Something tells me we can make some music the 
So this is a group that um, has a lot of Eurovision experience behind it. They have competed or tried to compete several different times. They worked with Pasha Parfini, who competed for Moldova in 2012. He also composed the song in 2013. And so they, they worked with him in 2015, but didn't win the national final. They also tried to get through in 2016. They went to some new wave festival. They played a festival and they caught the eye of Philip Kirkerov, who is... If there is such thing as Eurovision royalty, I feel like Philip Kirkorov is that. He was kind of the showrunner, I would say, of Russia 2016, which was an amazing entry and almost one, and two other entries from sort of the last decade. He's also working on Azerbaijan's entry, but so they, this this group caught the eye of Philip Kirkorov and John Ballard, and they decided to write an entry for them for the Moldova National Final. I'll be really interested to see what happens with this in terms of performance, because Kirkorov is known for amazing performances. And I don't think we really saw that in the national final to the extent that we may see it. But they did win both the jury and the televote. So what do y'all think of this entry? I was actually kind of impressed with their performance at the national final because, I mean, Moldova's national final does tend to be kind of a lower budget production. Mm-hmm. And they were doing some like really interesting stuff with mirrors and just the limited staging that they had available to them. And I thought it was a very engaging performance. They sound great. And... Yeah, it just kind of got me thinking, it's like, I really want to go to a Moldovan wedding, or at least a a wedding where there's a Moldovan band playing. The song My Lucky Day does have kind of like a wedding story in it, but then that's piggybacking off of last year's entry. Moldova has done wedding themes before, because like last year's entry at the performance, which they seem to be really good about the large Eurovision stage performance when they finally get there, because... Mm -hmm. With you know, with a few rare exceptions, they're always very, very good at taking whatever they did in their little TV studio and blowing it up to a big arena stage really, really well and figuring out how they can make something very distinct and very grand out of that. Weddings seem to pop up in their entries a bunch, so this year's entry that won, uh, last year's entry had sort of a wedding theme in the final performance, even if the song itself wasn't wedding-centric. And then Pasha Parfini, who you just mentioned with his 2012 entry, that one's also about being in the wedding band. It really seems like they're going to be bringing the party, which I am I am here for that. So <laughs> It worked very well for them last year, it, and they sort of had like a few wilderness years where they were trying to work with some ballads, and it wasn't quite doing it for them. And I'm really happy to see them back on this very sort of horn-heavy, party-focused folk music side of things for them. Yeah, and I just, I, I agree, Mike. I, I was impressed by their stage show. I just don't think it's to the level that we're actually going to see on the Eurovision stage. You know, looking, think, thinking back to Russia 2016, they had a lot of the dance moves and the choreography in place prior to the show, but we did not see sort of the the big rotating LED screen, the projection screen, right, prior to the week of Eurovision. So I, I feel like there's going to be something. And I'm really interested in what Philip Kirkerov is doing more generally, because I know he was really pissed off that Sergei Lazarev did not win in 2016 and just was very vocal about that. And so now he's sort of split off from Russia and has gone to do, you know, Azerbaijan and Moldova. It's like he's like looking for other people to basically help win. Is it that because he thinks Russia can't win because it's rigged? Which, okay, that's a a fair, maybe a fair criticism given the way that people have treated Russia at the Eurovision Song Contest. Anyway, so that's interesting that he has sort of landed in in Moldova's lap, who they have been increasingly strong over the last several years. So it's it's an interesting convergence. He has been kind of 
working through all of the former Soviet states. He was one of the writers for Shady Lady, which was Ukraine's 2008 entry, and my entry point into Eurovision. But uh, <laughs> yeah, nice. I, I also uh, want to plug his Instagram. He has a lot of look. And he does. Yeah. He does. Um, <laughs> Yeah, his his, his, really his good Instagram's a good follow. So <laughs> yes, he's he's very pretty. He's incredibly pretty. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, so one thing that I've been thinking of, especially since I saw a press release for about it a few weeks ago, and that has definitely sort of shaped how I look at the various entries that are competing this year, is that the Portuguese stage this year. Thinking about sort of how is Moldova going to take this performance and expand it for the stage, is that there are going to be no LED screens provided by the Portuguese. So I think it's going to be interesting to see who who brings stuff in, who brings in very large props, looking at you, Sweden, and how they, they shape that, because they're trying to provide the same sort of experience they had with their entry last year, which I will point out used the screens very well. Yes. But it's it's going to be interesting. There's going to, They're going to have a lot of lights available, and they're going to be able to do some very interesting things with that. And I think that this song, and based on what we saw in the performance, they can definitely adapt it to that well. Yeah, and we're already seeing several other countries forming their stage performance, assuming that there's not going to be, like, bringing their own backing screens, mm-hmm. sort of like, you know, Mons sort of did in 2015 when he won. Um, Sweden Sweden has just been overruling whatever the stage design is for years. Yeah, exactly. Ukraine is going to probably do something along those lines with their entry by Melovin called Under the Ladder. Here's a clip of that. In the national final performance, it included, I think this is between the uh, second chorus and kind of the bridge, Melvin runs up a flight of stairs and starts playing the piano. Do not want to be the stagehand that has to deal with that a stage transition, <laughs> but what are your all's thoughts on Under the Ladder? Just to, to that particular point, I am I think it's interesting that, you know, Austria 2016, I guess it was, we had a piano on fire, and this one you have a piano, piano on top of fire. Mm -hmm. Um, which is an interesting callback. But yes, I I think that'll be interesting to see if they can, number one, if they want to replicate that. And number two, can they pull that off easily on the Eurovision stage? I think this is is an okay song. This guy, Amelovin, he won the X Factor in 2015, the Ukrainian version of the X Factor. And he can actually play the piano. So he's not just sort of a a random musician that they sort of pulled out of nowhere. So he's, he's competed a couple times in the national selection process. He won the televote this year, was second in the jury vote. So, you know, he's not one of those people that it's just, you know, like in France, I think, where the public sort of overrules the jury. It's, you know, this is a place where the jury was like, yeah, he's he's pretty good. And the public thought so too. So I like it. The beginning, the very first little snippet is a little bit misleading, I think, into what it ends up being. But overall, like this is a this is a tune that I can see myself getting into. I'm not super in love with it yet, but it, it sounds like the kind of thing that I will enjoy more as time goes on. I really liked it from what I heard on this first pass through, and I think it will also continue to grow on me. I was not entirely digging the the current visuals, and I think we'll see how they change as as we figure out if they can actually bring 
a full flight of stairs and a piano without any issues. I think this definitely has some good room to grow before we get to Lisbon. I also like the really sort of subtle thing that he does. It's like one of his signature things that he has his left eye. He had he uses like a colored contact, and so his he's got his right eye looks like his natural color, and then his left eye is often different colors or white or something. So it's a, it's just an interesting sort of visual effect that doesn't require any kind of snazzy anything. It's just a very simple thing, very effective, I think, and it's something he's done a lot. What do you think about? the song mike i'm okay with the song i'm a total stan for ukraine like i don't i don't i don't <laughs> think there's anything that they could do that would make me go no <laughs> like la- last year's entry may have been my least favorite entry of theirs but i still really liked it i think this is going to be one that i'm going to have to give some time to grow like it, it feels like it's a lot more hook than substance he's a good singer and i think this is going to be one that if they can figure out an effective stage performance that it's going to perform really well. And yeah, I mean, Ukraine is one of the, one of the few countries that has never missed a final any year that it's competed. And I, I don't see that changing this year. Not good, Mike. No. Um, <laughs> okay, so one thing that you guys mentioned in last week's conversation, uh, because callbacks are fun, is that Ukraine's judges tend to be much more involved in their critique of the song. Did anybody watch that? Was that the case this year? I was not able to watch any of Ukraine's process. I did not watch it, but I did see that it was scheduled for to be like four hours long. So okay, I so assume yes. I assume <laughs> told you. Yeah. rigorous critique. <laughs> but, but I did see it was four hours and then went the other direction. Yeah, there were yeah. only six songs. So yeah, that, that schedule does not sound off at all. So. Yeah, may, maybe it was three and a half. But it was a lot. Yeah, it was a lot. It It does a lot. 20 minutes for each of the performers to like have a full cry. Ukraine takes this very seriously. And and the work shows like the effort shows. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's see. On the other hand, it's a process that seems to be working for them. Uh, So in in addition to Under the Ladder, I was sort of poking through the other entries and... Tayana, who I believe came in either second or third, had a very, very solid entry with Lelia. Yeah, that one I know was one of the favorites among all the other blogs. If Under the Ladder had not won, I think Lelia was the next choice. The next one that we have in our marathon of selections is Slovenia with the song Hvalane by Leah Sirk. Yeah, here's a clip of it before I squee. <laughs> I love this so much. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, we'll have a clip to videos of all of these performances uh, in the show notes, but th- this is one where it's a fully realized performance, choreography, like th- this is sort of just a subgenre of music that is just mic nip and <laughs> it's like it's it's super cheesy pop but yeah it it just works on me I, I i don't know what it is regardless of the language barrier i know exactly what this song is trying to do and it's doing it very well we should mention that the title of the song translates basically to no thanks mm-hmm. and and i i this song yeah i agree with you mike i actually thought this was before we started the show i was thinking that this was iceland song like for whatever reason it strikes me as a very Icelandic kind of entry. And again, that's a compliment. 
I tend to like Iceland's entries. Yeah, this song is good. She's got attitude. Yeah, th- this is just really good. It's like got some ele- some electronic elements. She's got like some kind of rap, some sing rap singing ish in there. This is one that's definitely going to stand out from the crowd. It's not going to get lost in the middle of a bunch of ballads. Oh no, not at all. No, yeah, no though. This one is very distinct. Yeah. So this this is really good. And this is another person, Leia Shirk, who has previously participated in a bunch of national finals. So she won the jury vote. She came in third in the televote. So, you know, maybe not the, the people's favorite, but pretty up there. So I'm excited for this entry, particularly to see some of the staging that they might do with it. They've got some good choreography. I think there's a lot more they could do with it. Yes. Re- a, good, a really good start, but a lot of room for growth. I'm not fully on board with, like, the rap singing cadence, but, like, the rest of the song I very much dug and was was into, and I want this to do well just because it feels very different. And I like variety in my Eurovision performances. The one thing I was very much not on board with was her black jumpsuit, which reminded me too much of the Netherlands a couple years ago, where... I, I cannot remember the artist's name, but she changed her outfit like four times during final week because oh, she just yeah. could not find something that worked. It looked, it looks very much like that jumpsuit that she ended up wearing that won her the Barbara Dex award, which is the worst dressed award at Eurovision. So she, she needs to do something with the sort of costuming. But again, good bones, there's room for growth. And that is one of the areas of growth that needs to occur and quickly. I think the other area that needs a little bit of improvement is the chorus of the song. It feels like it's 95% of the way there, but there just needs to be some sort of like pepper or something that is cutting underneath it like like it, it just feels like there's some sort of contrast that just needs to be happening in there because otherwise it's just kind of coming across a little monotone with the rest of the song this is such a reversal from what slovenia sent last year what did they send last year i don't even remember they sent on my way which was just this like oh, super oh, yeah. syrupy oh, ballad yes. that yes. i just called yes. yeah which i realized like at eurovision that uh, just based on the staging where it's like oh he looks like he's sort of in a spaceship oh wait a minute this song is about when poochie has to go back to his home planet after he's banished <laughs> from itchy and scratchy but and yeah. yeah if you listen to the lyrics it's just like oh yeah that that, that totally makes sense but this it, yeah, yeah this is so much more memorable than that song as evidenced by the fact that like i had to be reminded of what last year's song was yes exactly yeah. um i mean also worth looking up is be cool even mm-hmm. though it's spelled BQL. BQL. Yeah. Yeah. Their their song Promise was like pretty solid. Like it's it's a little bit it's a little bit more pop. Mm-hmm. Just like straightforward pop than Thank You No was, but uh, still enjoyable. Yeah, they were the runner up last year. I thought they should have won with their song Heart of Gold, not of the uh, Pack of Wolves Heart of Gold, a different <laughs> Heart of Gold. I was looking at the results in between movies on Saturday and I was just like, oh, BQL, you'll always be a bridesmaid, won't you? <laughs> then I heard Valane and it's like, oh, okay, better luck next year. Sorry, uh, guys. BQL. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The fact so. that, we, that we've that we had multiple Hearts of Gold, we've had multiple Shines makes me want to just do a real deep dive and get like every nation's entry entries from like the past, probably just just like let's just let's just go 20 years is like a nice corpus mm. and just see what the most frequently used titles are oh yeah there are probably 36 shines and none of them got to the final yeah one, one of these days i'll throw together a word cloud and <laughs> see what comes up i'm i'm sure it'll be devastating <laughs> <laughs> it's time for latvia everyone yes I'm going to go with, uh, this is Laura Risotto. I don't, I don't know. I'm just very hungry. So I'm just going to lean towards that with uh, Funny Girl. And we've got a clip. You're looking at her. She's looking at you. I'm falling apart. What can I do to make you feel that way about 
So as someone who's been a fan of Latvia's entries the past couple of years, this felt like kind of a misstep for me. Like this really? One not, yeah, this one did not click with me at all. I think partially, like I'm very much aligned with Ryan's love of Aminata's writing production choices, and mm-hmm. I've liked that they've been pursuing a more futuristic pop sort of thing. And this just felt very straightforward and not in the way I liked. Oh wow! When I saw that Latvia had made this choice, I was very excited because this is one of the first songs that I latched onto when Latvia released all of the Supernova entries. I agree that it, it doesn't have that sort of future pop sound that Love injected or heartbeat had i still feel it's different from what we typically hear at eurovision and part of the difficulty i think is like watching her performance of this it felt a little affected that could have been part of it for me was just like her performance was just not clicking for me this could totally be a case where i like something on like the final cd mix but actually don't like it live Mm -hmm. where this could be one where i just like the cd version better i think if the performance gets a little bit more genuine it might work ryan what what do you think of the song i did not like it the first time through because i had a very it's very sparse in the opening verse Mm -hmm. and i found it hard to find the beat I couldn't figure out where, what the like time signature of the song was. And I've, I've been a musician for a long time. I typically can pick up on that very quickly. And I, I just couldn't find it. And so I didn't really like it. And then I went back and listened to it a second time and was like, oh, now that I sort of know where the beat is, now I know, now that I know what to expect of the song, I really like it. It has a James Bond sort of mystique that I enjoy. I like her. I mean, there's too much hair flipping. Like yeah. I like the hair flipping, but it's just, repetitive and i also like it feels kind of musical theater both james bond and musical theater which are like two completely different scales which seems like a weird combination so i think if they're able to do with the song what the uk was able to do with lucy jones last year part of the reason i liked that song so much is because it was very musical theater and they kind of pulled it back and were able to do some amazing staging with that song and it turned out really really well I think if Latvia can do that same kind of thing with this, it'll end up really, really well. The thing is, is that Laura has a lot of musical training. So she is, she, she is kind of from everywhere. She was born in Brazil. Her parents have Brazilian and Latvian roots, which is how she's in the Latvian selection. She moved to the U.S. 13 years ago. She went to Berkeley College of Music, California Institute of the Arts. She's got a master's degree from Columbia in New York. She's got two albums under her belt. She's worked as a language coach for JLo. Like she's been all over in the music business. So she has a lot of experience. And she's one of these people that I feel like will be able to pull off that stage performance where so many other people fall flat because they just don't have the experience to do that. So I like the feel of it. They've got some editing to do. It's too long by about 15 seconds. Mm -hmm. They've got to figure out her choreography so she's not just sort of resorting to a bunch of hair flipping. That's effective a couple times, but not 12 times or something. Right. That might be an exaggeration, but... So, <laughs> yeah, but it, it's a small exaggeration if it is one, right? I, I like this song. It's It's got some work to do. I don't like it as much as I liked Lucy Jones' song last year, but that's sort of the niche that it fills for me. It's that sort of musical theater, mystique, a really good singer with, and, and she reminds me a little bit of Lucy Jones too, right? Who had a very, let's call it interesting stage presence in the national final that I think would have turned a lot of people off. I'm bullish about the song. I think it's going to be really good. Yay. <laughs> I mean, on the other hand, so it is in semifinal two, which is sort of stacked. Is that against its favor? Possibly. I, that, that That is a tricky thing about this particular set of songs. Aside from Germany, all of the songs that we were talking about in this episode are going to be in semifinal two. It's a pretty stacked field once we get a sense of what 
final yeah, versions of, of, or... of like yeah of like final versions and sort of what the field looks like as a whole yeah and i this may be one that is going to have to rely on position in the running order a little bit more than other entries will like sweden and russia will probably do fine wherever they are latvia if it gets paired up with something that could potentially drown it out it could become more of a bubble case. I, I think this stands out. So far, anyway, I haven't seen any other kind of James Bond-ish things, right? The last James Bond song I can remember was 2014, Austria the Winner. Mm. Right? And this is this is not on the level of that song. I thought that song was a much better song and a much better performance. But it's that same sort of niche that I don't really see anybody else filling. So, I mean, I think, yeah, you don't want it to get sort of lost in the shuffle. But people are going to remember this song because it doesn't sound like any other songs in the running so far. So far. Who knows, yeah. you know, who <laughs> so knows far. coming? But speaking of drowning things out, shall we talk about Hungary? Let's. Let's, yes. <laughs> so Hungary has a group called AVS or AWS. Their song is called Vislat Nya. Let's take a quick listen. <laughs> So as you heard, this is a metalcore song. I cannot express how excited I am about this. What do you think, Mike? Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I love Hungary so much. And this kind of song, like just like hard rock, heavy metal, just has such a spotty track record at Eurovision. And I, I, it's just, I feel like this is executed at a very high level like it is a good hard rock song but i can see a lot of people being turned off by it just be just by virtue of it being a hard rock song and this kind of goes into like what my concerns are with hungary's process as much as i enjoy Adal, the way that their final works is uh they have eight performers all eight perform their songs it's a jury of four each juror will give points to four of the entries ten eight six four points whichever four acts have the most points after that disbursement will go on to the super final which the public will vote for avs they barely finished in fourth place they had six points because one juror gave them six points and they beat out the other hard rock song by leander kills which had four points which was given by a single juror so that was just kind of weird but then like they won overwhelmingly by the audience vote uh, apparently so i guess i like the idea that this was a pretty much a publicly selected song since the jury was not giving them any love i i'm not sure if the jury votes carry over into the public voting part of it the way that it does during the rest of the process i like the song i still don't know how i feel about it as a eurovision entry what do you think ben so my first mental touch point when i heard this song was it made me think of paramore's misery business mm. in, in a good way in a good way i also sort of side with mike in that this particular genre at eurovision does not have a great track record and it's you are giving yourself a challenge from the start if you if you sort of lean towards hard rock it has had some successes in the past like you have lordy and hard rock hallelujah although that's more glam than this was that was also a feat in costuming yeah which, th like th this group does not have like full body like 
full body monster suits. Yeah, it's, it's basically Guar at Eurovision. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's basically Guar at Eurovision. But I mean, on the other hand, you also have a few years later, Finland sent a punk song that did not do well at all. Which I know that you also really enjoyed, Ryan. But like at the time, I, I was did. like, this is this is not going to do well. I love the spirit behind this, but this is not going to do well. But is the question is it a good Eurovision entry or do we like it? I don't think this is a good Eurovision entry. I don't think it's you know is this this is in the second semifinal as well in the stack semifinal it's probably not going to go through if that's the case i'll be glad if it does but i just it's so refreshing to have something just so different i mean there's a lot of screaming in this song (laughs) (laughs) and i i i was part of me wonders whether they actually wanted to win so i looked at the i sort of i took a screenshot of the there's there's five band members and the different reactions that each of the band members had upon being announced that they won there's like one guy who's like laughing there's one guy who's like flipping out like what just happened the lead singer just kind of standing there right like i kind of wonder whether they were actually in this to win it or whether he was just maybe in shock or something I like the song. I'm really looking forward to seeing it on the stage. My poor colleague, who every time we have this sort of common area that we sit in, and this time of year, I'm always like, so do you want to see the latest Eurovision entry? And he humors me every time and is like, sure, I'd love to see it. And I'm like, great, because I'm about to show you something crazy. And he was like, oh, I really like this. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. So I feel like this is the kind of thing that is... It's good for the contest. It brings in people that maybe otherwise wouldn't watch. Mm-hmm. There have been several sort of harder songs. There was Midnight something or other a couple of years ago that I really liked that made it through to the final. Right. It, you know, in part based on some really great camera work. That was 2016. It was in Sweden that year. So I, I think camera work carried that through to the final. But Midnight Gold, that's the name of it. I'm really excited about this song. Again, it's something completely different. I think as a metalcore song it's really good it's really well done it's clean there's some actual singing there's a lot of screaming it's called goodbye summer because of course it is and they this particular band in the past has done a lot of political stuff they featured a lot of they called out politicians in their stage shows so they're not afraid to sort of dig into a topic like they've done songs about climate change i don't know exactly what this song is about they've got seven albums as a band i'm excited to see them there and i i hope they go through i think they probably will not i think your point ben about like this is not and, and mike this is not a good Eurovision entry i think that's on point mm-hmm. i still love the song and i hope it does well i'm just looking at this photo that you posted of their reaction playing. i just love the tableau of a few of them are just not sure what just happened one of them has just completely lost it in the background and again the lead singer is just kind of standing there like oh crap this was just supposed to be a promotional thing for our band and now we have to do this thing i don't know if it's necessarily that just because i mean like they know what the jury score is going Mm -hmm. in so like they they know that they're going in oh we're in fourth place and by a pretty wide margin uh between them and third place like i'm sure some of the shock is just like oh really okay just knowing that they have that much like public support and the jury seem to be very positive about all of the hard rock entries in this year's competition they consistently received very high scores yeah i don't know if that's just a switch that like that was a direction from the powers that be in hungary being like yeah let's let's, let's try to swing this uh one way or another well i feel like hungary always ha- has had sort of a, a big sense of diversity from year to year in their entries mm-hmm. so and the, so that this completely tracks with that yeah well and and, and one more point and then i'll stop gushing about this mm-hmm. the, the the stage show there's so much fire there is so much like just the sort of campy stuff that i love like they've really leaned into it like they already have a stage there is fire from the very beginning and it goes through the whole thing but it's different kinds of fire and there's this one moment that i think the moment that the song really won me over up until this moment i was like wait what's happening and then there's a moment where the lead singer is sort of he's like jumping 
and the camera is following him. And so it creates this really interesting effect that he is staying still, but the background is just shifting up and down just slightly. Like it's just, it's, there's, it's so camera ready. There is so much that you can do visually with this entry. Okay. I'll stop gushing. Hungary does have a track record of putting together some really dynamic performances. Their entry last year was a really solid song, but then their stage performance, they used the stage to its fullest and to yeah. great effect, which is why they finished in the top 10. I'm rooting for you, Hungary. Yep. Like, like, this, is, this is a risk, but maybe it's a risk worth taking. So. Yes. <laughs> Just like to summarize this week, I'm really, really happy, I guess, both in the diversity of genre, even if some of these things are not necessarily my particular cup of tea, and just the diversity of language, because so many years... Everything is in English when, like, I always find it very interesting to hear a pop song in another language. So it seems like it's going to be a banner year for me um, in that regard. Hopefully everything stays in its native language and doesn't get translated. Good good point. There (laughs) is time. That's going to do it for this episode of the EuroWhat. Thanks for listening. The EuroWhat podcast is a production of whatelseison.tv. Our Eurovision News and Entertainment Research Division specialists are Ryan Brazell, Mike McComb, and Ben Smith. Follow our coverage of the 2018 Eurovision Song Contest at our website, eurowhat.com. You can also catch us on social media at eurowhat on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you'd like to contact us by email, we can be reached at esc at whatelseison.tv. We'd love to hear your questions and comments. You can subscribe to the EuroWhat on iTunes or the podcast app of your choice. While you add the subscription, leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. We'll be back with more Eurovision updates next week.